Our scripture reading today comes from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know only in part, and we prophesy only in part. But when the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror, dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. Here ends our scripture. So I know this isn't the time of year for this, but I've really been on a baseball kick as of late. It could be because I'm reading a great new book called The Baseball 100 that tells the, the stories of the 100 great baseball players and uh, in, in pastimes and very pastimes up through modern times. So it could be that great book that's given me a baseball kick recently. It could also be that some events transpired last week involving my Green Bay Packers that I'd rather not talk about that's caused me to look ahead more quickly into the future than I anticipated. But in the midst of my recent baseball kick, I stumbled onto an article titled Seven Strangely Specific Baseball Rules and the Even Stranger Stories That Inspired Them. And I want to tell you about one of those stories. In 1950, the Boston Braves were playing the New York Giants. A Boston player came to the plate, and while batting, he noticed that he was having trouble seeing the ball coming out of the pitcher's hand. And he was having trouble because it seemed like the umpire was in his field of vision beyond the pitcher. So he asked the second base umpire, hey, could you please stand off to the side a little bit? It's just your presence is being a little distracting. And of course, the umpire moved. He was fine with that. Unfortunately, the opposing second baseman noticed all of this, and he decided he was going to use it to his advantage. So he was going to do everything he could then to stand in the batter's field of vision to distract them from hitting the ball, which included doing some dance moves and also some jumping jacks during the game itself. So Boston kind of, well, they didn't like this at all. So they asked the umpires, hey, could you stop that guy from doing that? He's really distracting us from hitting. 
But the empire said, well, there, there's no rule against it, so we can't really stop him from doing anything out there. So the game went on. Boston wasn't happy, but they finished it. I have no idea how the game ended up. But two days later, this is when things got interesting. The Philadelphia Phillies came to town to play New York. The New York second baseman continued his pattern of distracting batters as they were at the plate. At the encouragement of his manager, by the way, who was literally the guy that coined the phrase, nice guys finished last. So, like Boston, the Phillies asked the umpire, hey, could you do anything about this? To which they said, no, there's no rule against it. And when the umpire said that, that's when things kind of got out of control. The second baseman continued to do it. The Phillies didn't like it. Eventually, a fight broke out against both teams that was so out of control that the NYPD were called in to break it up. So thanks to the Giants and thanks to the Phillies, a new rule was written. A fielder cannot intentionally distract a batter from the field. Or in other words, just don't be an obnoxious jerk of a second baseman. It's amazing how many baseball rules can be summarized as just that. Just don't be a jerk out there and everything will be fine. Which finally then leads me to my point and my transition out of talking about baseball. Because I find it amazing of how many times that we just need that reminder in life in the first place to just not be a jerk about things. And it's unfortunate of how many times that we've been reminded of that, that we in fact need that reminder all the time. It's unfortunately that, that that's come up time and time again in the pandemic. Because too often we have seen our actions, and I use our as a broad term, but our actions in government buildings and on social media and in public places and school board meetings and family interactions, it's too often that those type of, 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 of things and interactions have reminded us all that we act in our own self-interest far too often. Throughout human history, we've needed constant reminders to just not be a jerk and to think of others all the time. It's why Jesus came in the first place, to give us not only the golden rule, but to go a bit farther, to love others as he has first loved us. And it's why the Apostle Paul wrote these now famous words about love that we hear today. We most often hear these words during weddings when, uh, when the love that two people have is explicitly and purposefully celebrated. Now, while these words certainly apply to a marriage, that's not why these words were written in the first place. Paul doesn't mention marriage in this part of 1 Corinthians. He actually talks about marriage in, in a certain spot, and that's in the seventh chapter of this letter. But interestingly enough, love is never mentioned there, which shows how much our understanding of marriage has changed in the last 2,000 years. So if this particular passage about love isn't necessarily about marriage, then what's it about? Well, it's important to remember that 1 Corinthians is a letter, and it's a letter addressed to a brand new church that Paul himself helped establish. And this church is, is trying to figure things out. Everything is brand new for them. And in all of this newness, conflicts started to arise. 
two of them are, are named in 1 Corinthians. I'm sure there were more than two conflicts, but, but, but the two big ones that were named were how people identified themselves within the church as those who, uh, based on who they were converted by. So they were team Paul or team somebody else, and, and they, they broke up into, into that way. And if you were converted by Paul versus somebody else, you were better than the other church members. So that's one of the conflicts that was going on. The other one uh, were, were about special gifts, specifically about speaking in tongues. There was a, a notion within this church that if you spoke in tongues, you had a direct relationship with the Holy Spirit, a stronger relationship with God, and therefore you were a better Christian if you had this spiritual gift versus other spiritual gifts. So in the midst of all these conflicts, but especially with those two, word got back to Paul that people were kind of being jerks about it. Paul's main purpose with this letter is addressing these conflicts to ensure that these people remain together as a church. And now we're in the heart of this letter. In chapter 12, the chapter just before this, Paul addresses the speaking in tongues situation by saying that there are many spiritual gifts given to all people, and all of them put together are important because that diversity makes up the body of Christ, the living presence of Christ in the world. And then Paul kind of interrupts his, his chain of thought when it comes to this chapter. He's no longer talking about gifts, but then talks about something else, something that's even greater, something that's more foundational than spiritual gifts, more basic, more just primary, something that everyone should be on the same page about because it's the reason why they've been given spiritual gifts and called together in the first place. And that reason is love. And so here is when Paul says that using gifts without love is pointless. And here is when Paul describes what love is. And here is that moment, obviously in different words, but here in this moment is when Paul says, don't be a jerk about this. All because love is the most important thing in this church and in life. It inspires all that we do and it never ends. Paul identifies that people will end, and gifts will end, and buildings will end, and knowledge will end. But love, yeah, love will not. That's the thing that will keep on going. That's the important piece here that we need to understand. Don't get into quarrels and fights about spiritual gifts. We all need to have love. Like, let's get on this first basic page first. I find it really interesting, though that here at Edgeboro in the last two Sundays, we've had scripture passages with an eternal and persevering quality about them. Last week, we, we talked about how our watchword is a part of a greater encouragement for believers in faith to, to keep going and keep the faith, even in difficult times, as it leads into uh, the, the famous words in Hebrews, right? Run the race that is set before you. Keep on going to Christ. Now, we also connected this last week with, with Jesus' ongoing mission to proclaim good news and offer healing and grace and love to all, and how that isn't just done one time with Jesus. It's done throughout all of time through us. Now, this week, this week we are assured that love never ends. There's that enduring quality, that love keeps going, 
along with the faith that we hold on to, along with Christ's mission. Love keeps going. Which leads up to Paul's primary encouragement that could sum up his entire letter to the Corinthians. Words that we didn't read because they're actually the first words of chapter 14, and we always cut them off when we're reading chapter 13. After reminding us that, that love is patient and love is kind and love is eternal, Paul encourages us with two words, encourages us to do something, and that is pursue love. Do it. Pursue love. Keep going just like love does. May it inspire everything that you do with all the gifts that you have, even if it's not the way of the world, because the world is not forever. Love is forever. Keep going. Now, I want to leave you with a final encouragement to pursue love, as Paul encourages us to do. And it comes from our own neighborhood. Thanks to a special partnership that the Moravian Church had, I was recently given reports from a ministry tool called Mission Insight, which provides all types of demographic and survey information about the community that is around us or whoever is doing uh, the using Mission Insight. Uh, and it gives us this information with the hopes that we will use it to uh, inform uh, decisions about mission and ministry and assessing the needs of those around us. Now, I hope to share more of this information as, you know, as, as time allows later on in the future. Um, but, uh, but I wanted to, to start with, uh, with these uh, bits of information here from these reports uh, about our community within a one-mile radius of Edgeboro. So, People that said that they don't belong to a worship community or, or, or that they do belong to a worship community uh, but have considered leaving it, uh, those, those people that fit those qualifications were given a list of reasons that, that, that they could respond yes or no to, kind of like a true-false test as to why they were thinking about leaving the church or why they haven't joined the church. Now, some of the choices were, were stuff like, well, because church is boring or because I don't believe in God anymore. But here are the top four reasons that, that received more than a 50% yes response in our neighborhood. So people don't join the church or they don't uh, or, or, or think about leaving the church because they think religious people are too judgmental, because religions care too much about money, because they, the responders, don't trust religion, and because they don't trust religious leaders. All of this suggests to me that love is either lost in translation here, or love is lost in the work of these places of worship. Now here's another result that's telling. All people included in this were, again, were given a true-false type format here. Uh, whether they were a church member or not, they were given options to respond to of what they thought were the most important things that a church or a worship community could offer to the larger community. Everything received yes votes. So stuff like Bible studies and counseling groups and online worship and child daycare services, everything was important to at least some portion of people. 
But here were some of the of, of those responses that received at least 50% of, uh, of positive responses to that. Yes, we think these are important uh, to, for a church to have. They're not all of them, but I think the majority of them, I think there were six or seven here, that, here are four of them. They said that volunteer opportunities were important, that social events were important, that holiday programs were important, but by far and away, the number one thing that is the most important for a worshiping community to have here in this one mile radius neighborhood, three quarters of people said that warm and friendly encounters was the most important thing that a worshiping community could have. The events that encourage fellowship and community and social interaction Right? Those, those type of events that they, that they said were important are not necessarily Christian events. They're fellowship events. They're, they're love events. So what this is all telling me is that the evidence is encouraging us to pursue love. That our own community is encouraging us to pursue love. And that baseball, in its very different ways and words, encourages us to pursue love and an apostle of christ is telling us to pursue love and the word of the lord is telling us to pursue love so let's run that race let's follow through with christ's unending good news mission let's do it let's keep pursuing love and while we keep pursuing love may god give us the strength and endurance to do so. Amen.